You know, one of the first things I coach financial advisors on, whether they're new or whether they're stuck in a rut, is to really evaluate what they do for clients. And I'm not just talking about the simple things. I'm talking about the outcomes they provide, you know, such as financial independence, retiring early, becoming debt free, all the other big picture things we do and to charge accordingly for that. In my studies, in my research, I've found that many financial advisors are undercharging. Even the ones at captive shops can fix this. And the way I coach advisors to do this is by simply raising your minimum. That's what we're going to talk about today in episode two, shift number two of the five shifts on the Drew Stotler Show. All right. Welcome to episode two of the Drew Stotler Show. I am your host, of course, Drew Stotler. And if this is the first time you're joining us, welcome. Welcome to the podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube, welcome to the channel. Uh, Please like, subscribe, and share if you're on YouTube, or go ahead and add this to your podcast library if you're on the podcast. Uh, But I want to just talk to you about the five shifts just for a minute. If you haven't listened or watched episode one, the five shifts are something I teach all advisors, no matter if they're brand new, no matter if they're out 10 years, but they're plateaued or stuck in a rut. The five shifts are the shifts I've come to learn and adapt over the years that have led to a profitable uh, advisory practice. And I didn't do it the traditional way of working 60 hours a week. In fact, I did it quite the opposite. If if I was a case study, looking back, uh, most industry experts would say, this guy's never going to make it. But yet here I am. I've started two different uh, practices from scratch and hit the six-figure mark both times in 12 months or less. And I say that not to brag, but I say that as a testament to the things I've learned. Some of them pulled together uh, from other advisors, some of them learning what not to do from other advisors, and some of them of my own volition. And today I'm going to talk to you about shift number two uh, that I teach the advisors that I work with. And shift number two, and there's five of them, uh, is to raise your minimum. Raise your minimum. That's it. And by the way, if if you're one of the students that likes to work ahead, you can find all of these shifts. Uh, just go to drewstotler.com and up towards the top in the banner, not the very top, but there's a little button that says watch the free masterclass. Uh, you can watch that. Just click it. You have to pop in an email address and just full disclosure, you'll get an email from me. Uh, no spam, no junk. But anyway, if you're one of those students that likes to work ahead, you can get all five shifts on there. It's about a 45-minute master class. You'll get massive value from it regardless. Um, but shift number two today is what we're talking about, and it's raising your minimum. Now, I want to pause for a minute because I'm aware I came from this world, but I'm aware that captive shops uh, cannot necessarily 
uh, set their own pricing structure. I understand that the house, uh, the back office kind of sets your fee. You may get a little discretion here and there if you can discount it. Um, but by and large, you can raise your minimum. I was very conscious with this title. Uh, at first, it was charge higher prices or charge premium prices, but I wanted this to speak to all advisors out there. And the way you can do that, even if you're at a captive shop, is to raise your minimum asset level. Okay. Now I realize if you're brand new, that may be very scary. Uh, you may not believe you can do it, or you may think you're turning away business that is going to put food on the table, but let's just do some simple math here. Let's say you come across a $50,000 old 401k. Now, when I was brand new, I would have been pumped. I would have been like, yeah, this is great. It's not six figures, but this is great. Let's do the math on that though. If you're not going to charge an upfront commission, and, and I'm not at advising you do or don't, I'm just saying, if you're not going to make four to five percent on that upfront, you're probably going to make on average one to one and a quarter percent on on a fee based account. So let's take that fifty thousand dollars, and because I like round numbers, let's just multiply it times one percent. How much are you going to earn on that account in the first year? Five hundred dollars, right? So especially if you spend that over 12 months, uh, it it's really not advisable to take that client on if you want to grow smarter, not harder. In other words, if you want to make sure you're looking back on your business in one, two, three years, and you don't have a bunch of smaller accounts that are sucking up your time more than your larger accounts, you want to be mindful of how you're building your business. Now, I'm, I'm speaking from experience. I did not uh, adopt this shift early on out of the gate. I happened to luck out and the first account I ever opened uh, turned out to be a five or $600,000 relationship. And she's still with me to this day. Uh, the account ha has, of course, grown. It's about 1.2 million now. But the fact is, I didn't start this way. I had a lot of mental blocks because I came out of the gate swinging, wanting to open as many accounts as I could so that I felt like I wasn't going to fail. And doing it this way, I actually set myself up for some micro failures along the way because, and and you can tell me if this is true within your own business, if you've been out for more than a year, but the clients that pay me the most need me the least. And you'll hear me say that often. I borrowed that from Duncan McPherson, uh, super sharp guy. And what that means is just the people that are paying me ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars a year, they aren't really, and I don't want to say this the wrong way, but they're not bugging me. They're not nitpicking over uh, what is this little fee or what is this on my statement and and why do I have to do this and can you do this for me and can you do that? Now, don't get me wrong. If they were to ask those things, I would absolutely take care of them, but. I would say you need to be spending your time with the people that pay you uh, what they deserve to pay you what you're worth. That's what they deserve is your time. And so if you're spread too thin and you're treating all clients as if they are the same, uh, you're you're doing it wrong. I'm just going to be a little bit in your face and say that you're doing it wrong. Um, now, it's admirable that you want to help more people. I, I understand that. Um, but by charging higher prices, by raising your minimum, you're guaranteeing 
virtually guaranteeing. I know the G word is a, is a dirty word in this industry, but I'm not giving investment advice here. Um, but you're setting yourself up for three things. And the first point by, by raising your minimum is that you're going to establish yourself as the preeminent choice in competitive situations. So I don't know about you, but where I'm from, many investors, many clients interview a few financial advisors and planners before they make their decision, whether that's they're doing their research online or whether they're interviewing in-person financial advisors. And if if you're doing a financial plan for you know $1,200 and I'm doing a financial plan for $2,500 to $3,500, right off the bat, I seem like the premium option because I'm charging a higher price, even if we're doing the same amount of work. It's a psychological thing. People feel like they get what they pay for generally. And if you're charging a higher price than some knucklehead down the street at XYZ firm, you're already a few points ahead if you're doing it right, if you're conducting the appointment right and really connecting them to the value, to the benefits, not the features, not, oh, I do investment management and financial planning. No, I provide peace of mind. I provide more time in your day by doing things that you don't want to do. I provide outcomes that they want, right? And so by charging the higher price, you're automatically seen as the preeminent choice. Again, if you're conducting a good appointment, I'll do a whole nother podcast episode on, you know, a good appointment. I can't teach you that all in, in one episode here. Um, but the second thing you're doing is you're basically guaranteeing that a higher quality of client shows up. Now, I don't mean to say that some are less than and some are better than. It's a behavioral thing because those that pay, pay attention. And what I mean is the people that are paying the higher price have skin in the game, more skin in the game. And they just don't feel as entitled as somebody who is, say, paying you four to $500 a year. For some reason, and this I'm just speaking from experience and, and some of the other advisors I've worked with have, have also um, confirmed this, the smaller revenue households are more demanding than the higher revenue households. Now, of course, there's exceptions to that rule, but generally speaking, in my experience and the advisors I work with, the people that pay the smaller amounts need more of your time. And so you're not building a profitable practice if you're in the hole because your time is worth something and, and you've got to do your own calculation on what that is. Um, but my time is worth at least $500 an hour. And depending on what I'm doing, it's worth more than that. Now, I understand if, if you've got, um, you know, caps on, on what you can charge per hour, many compliance departments will work with you as long as you can justify, you know, if you're doing more complex things you could probably get an exception. I'm, I'm not suggesting that you just start raising your fee without demonstrating your value. Um, but higher quality clients show up. They're ready to do what you say. They're ready to get you the information you need. And they're ready to take your recommendations without second guessing and questioning and saying, well, what about this? And what about that? So again, you know, everyone deserves help in the financial space, but there are so many solutions now. A, a great majority of what we do uh, on the investment management side has become commoditized. And so those smaller households are great for 
uh, a robo advisor or, or something like that. And, and so I'm not saying they don't deserve help. I'm just saying maybe they don't deserve your help if you want to be in this business uh, for a long time and keep a, a small, intimate tribe of clients. That's what I've always strived for. I, I've never sought to see how big I can get. It's to see how small I can stay while still increasing my profits. Um, so again, I'll say that again. It's never been to see how big I can get. It's to see how small I can stay while still increasing profits. Um, and then the third thing that raising your minimum does is it's just math. It helps you hit your growth goals faster. Again, it's just math. So if your goal is to become a million dollar producer or even a $500,000 producer, how many of those 500 accounts, $500 a year accounts are you going to have to serve? Now, of course, there's going to be higher paying clients along the way, but it's still a fundamental principle that if you charge higher prices, if you raise your minimum asset level to work with you, you will get there faster. And it's just a numbers game. Let's say you, for a couple, husband and wife, uh, whatever, whatever the relationship is, um, $5,000 a year for a joint financial plan. And your goal is to get to 100K. Well, how many do you need to do that year? 20, right? Well, if your minimum is 1,000 and you want to get to 100,000, how many do you have to do? I mean, uh, you're, you're doing the math, I realize, but... Do you see the difference? A hundred new accounts versus 20? I don't know about you, but I always wanted to make sure the clients I did bring on were getting the best service. Not only that, I wanted to make sure I had quality of life, work-life balance. Um, because again, I've never been the type to work the 60 hours a week. I understand it. I understand why your industry says you have to do it, but you don't have to do it anymore. Maybe once upon a time you did. But technology has really cut that down. Not only that, um, again, if you're charging higher prices or raising your minimum, you don't have to hustle as hard to get to your goals. I hope this is making sense. Um, but by raising your minimum, again, it establishes your preeminence. A higher quality, higher degree of client shows up ready to go. And you hit your growth goals faster. Now, those are three really good things, if you ask me. Um, and again, the people that pay me the most need me the least. So I just want to challenge you. I know there's a lot of quote unquote fee compression, but I find that not to be true. Um, in fact, Michael Kitsis is suggesting, I believe, don't quote me on this, but the average financial plan is coming up. It's not going down. Because I think if I had to form a hypothesis, more advisors are starting to realize they've been selling themselves short for years, or they're realizing they don't want to work the traditional model of the 40, 50, 60 hour work week. And one way you can cut that down is to make your time worth more. Again, decouple your revenue from your time and couple your revenue to the outcome that you provide. Am I, am I making sense here? So hopefully, hopefully that resonates. And if it does, I would encourage you again, go to drewstotler.com. And that's just my name, S T O T L E R. And just watch the masterclass. I, I tackle a little bit of each of the five shifts, uh, but we do have programs that go into each one deeper. 
Uh, a lot of advisors have been taking us up on some of our coaching and consulting programs. Uh, we're not a fit for everyone. Again, even on my coaching business, my goal is never to see how big I can get. It's to see how small I can stay. Uh, but I do want to help 10,000 financial advisors before I'm done. Some of that through the free stuff on the podcast and the YouTube channel, and some of that through our paid programs uh, for coaching, masterminds, one-on-one, and online learning modules. So if this was a value to you, please share it with another advisor. Uh, again, my goal is just to lift our industry up. I don't think our industry gets enough credit for what we do. Uh, we can alter family trees in a good way. And I truly believe that, especially since I have third and fourth generation clients, I see it every day. So I believe in the work you do. I believe in the work that we do as a collective body. And as always, I'm your host, Drew Stotler. Check us out at drewstotler.com or apexadvisornetwork.com. And make sure you stay tuned for episode three next week, where I go into the secret weapon. And I don't want to give it away just yet, uh, but I think you'll like it if you're trying to take your business online. So even if you're not new, even if you're a wily vet, uh, I would encourage you to check in with us on that episode. Or again, just get the uh, get the cheat sheet look ahead and go watch uh, the masterclass. Thanks again. Drew Stotler signing off.